Oh yes indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like why is it considered necessary to nail down a coffin lid? And why is it rain drops but snow falls? Hi America, hello world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions Than Answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio, entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains with the sound of Kim's elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers and turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... This bell's had a lot of action over the last few episodes, isn't it? It needs to be... Uh... Something's got to get some. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's, that's obviously an issue we need to bring up in another series, perhaps. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, what can you say? It perhaps needs to be oiled is, is uh, what needs to happen. Just to <laughs> Are you get... experienced in that? <laughs> and Kim is on minus three. <laughs> to help, I said to help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists. As you can see, listeners, the bell has absolutely no use whatsoever. The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited, of you as just witnessed. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has been confused all week as to why there are brow dots on the keypad to the drive-up ATM. Any results with that inquiry? Any thoughts? I'm not blind yet. You're not blind. Well, if you continue with the bell, then then obviously there's every possibility <laughs> of that. How are you? Welcome to the night show. Heidi ho. Heidi ho, indeed. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. 
Kim has used her knowledge of the postal service this week to try and work out what happens if a package says open somewhere else instead of open here. Welcome to tonight's show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Greg has had sleepless nights this week, wondering why the 7-Eleven open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, has locks on the door. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. I looked up the word panel, and it said in the English Oxford Dictionary that it was a thick wooden board between two posts. I will start this week's show by saying that I had a rather interesting kind of journey at the weekend. I'm not going to mention names, but I went to a small town that's very familiar to many people. It's on the St. Croix River Valley there. And I went to visit a friend of mine who does healing. She's a healer. She does massage work and she does aura photography and so forth. And names will not be mentioned to protect the innocent. But she said I should go and visit her. And uh, I went to this town to uh, look for some prospective sites for some paranormal investigations and to be shown around. So I got the address of where she works on Saturday. And it was in an industrial estate. So there's no one around. There's just units there and uh, blocks where people work. But very interestingly, not a single car was there except a police car. And there was a policeman just sat there, parked up, with his mirrored shades on, chewing gum, his arm leaning on the side of the window. So I pull up, and the first thing I see is a sign that says healing, it says massage. So I walk into this unit, thinking I'm going to be visiting my friend. And there's a lady sat there, and again, names will not be mentioned to protect the innocent. But there's a lady sat there at the front desk, and I start talking to her, and I ask if my friend is around and she says oh she's upstairs at the moment so I'm thinking well she'll be down shortly she's probably working she might be with a client so I'm small talking with this lady we're chatting for about half an hour and I'm looking around thinking this is very fancy for a kind of uh, therapy place or a Reiki session an aromatherapy session it's very swanky would be the word I'd use it was drapes all reds all burnt colors heavy velvets dark furniture it looked a bit like a boudoir in Paris, actually, in the 1890s, I would imagine. I was expecting to lose Lautrec to walk past with a sketch pad. Anyway, I said to the woman, you know, is my friend around? And she said, oh, she doesn't work here. She's in the unit upstairs. So I had completely the wrong building. So I walked out of the front door. Again, policeman sat there chewing gum, watching me half an hour later. I went round to the back of the building, went up the stairs, finally found where I was meant to be. And I introduced myself to my friend there and I said, uh, I had a very interesting encounter with the lady downstairs. I'm sorry I'm half an hour late. She informed me incorrectly that you would uh, be upstairs and I just made the assumption I had the right building, but you were working. And my friend proceeded to tell me that it was a brothel. Downstairs was a brothel and the policeman was sat outside. I spent half an hour in a brothel came out policeman sat there watching me he's probably taken my license plates i was about to ring greg can you imagine getting a phone call greg four o'clock in the morning you know can you come and help me i I need some bail money i've been caught in a brothel that's moral turpitude i believe i can be deported for moral there's a big list similar to what happened last year with you and you mean Uh, i don't remember going into a brothel last year you're gonna have to put some flesh on that for me when was that incident wow 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth. I know enough okay. about the American Constitution <laughs> that I'm now pleading the fifth. But that was my weekend. And uh, I did wonder why the woman was looking at me strangely for half an hour, wondering, you know, at what point I was going to actually ask for some kind of service, I guess. So that was my weekend, wandering around in brothels in the St. Croix River Valley, looking for my friend who is a massage therapist. So uh, all good fun. We're going to start our show tonight, as we always do, with our rounds on the ghosts and the hauntings from around the world. Heather, what are you going to start for me this week? You can go first, because you've had a very successful run over the last few episodes. You've gathered some points. Have I? You don't recall? No. Well, the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. So you've won many (laughs) points, but also lost many points. That sounds like a Dickens novel. It was the best of times and the worst of times. What have you got for me tonight? Swedish man writes surprisingly short obituary before his death saying, I am dead. That normally does the job for an obituary. Yeah. A Swedish man has decided to write his own obituary before his passing and wanted to keep things simple, asking his local funeral home to use only three words to announce his death to the world, namely, I am dead. The 92-year-old Sting Colonel from the city of Trandus, died on April 6th, but before his demise, he instructed the fu- funeral agency to publish the brief, concise, and factually correct obituary accompanied by his name, place, and date of death. Almost makes you want to know the guy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the Swedes are very to the point, aren't they? Scandinavians are. You know, there's no messing around. Straight to the point. None of this Minnesota nice business. Just, you know. That's what he wanted. That's just, what he wanted and that's what he got. Was he being paid by the word? Because if you're... I a, was thinking yeah, that. In a newspaper, yeah. if you if you want to advertise in a newspaper, it normally says, you know, $3 a word, for example. I just wondered if there was a... You better start saving up now. What, for my obituary? <laughs> Are you saying that I talk a lot? Never. <laughs> According to his son, Lars Colonel... Sting felt the short message said all that was needed in such a situation. He was a special man with a lot of humor and a twinkle in his eye. It has helped us to cope with the loss of him, in that he was not scared of death. However, the unusual obituary attracted a lot of media attention, and some people were curious to know more about the man who requested such a modest message. So Colonel's two sons um, ended up writing a lengthier obit, As it turns out, the man was a pilot, aerospace historian, and transport technician. And he even made it into the Guinness Book of World Records thanks to his comprehensive collection of aviation books. So he has a world record for the most aviation books. Right. I take it all back. I don't want to know him at all. He sounds very boring. (laughs) (laughs) They just, you know, they just fly off the shelves. You know that. Oh. When they're in the shop. (laughs) The aviation. No, you can't ring my bell. He's dead. I understand that. You can't make fun of me. I have to say that that doesn't mean that you're dead because there's been numerous stories over the course of this season where people have been, you know, claimed to have been dead and, and are pronounced dead and then actually fight their way out of body bags and morgues and so forth. So to write in an obituary that says I am dead doesn't necessarily have finality about it. Do you see what I'm saying? I would assume that he would be dead if he's in a coffin and they're shipping them off somewhere. Well, I wouldn't say that was the case, really. There's places in Nigeria we've read about where people are in coffins and they suddenly sit bolt upright and everyone goes screaming around the village, like dropping a big box of whoppers on the floor at Walmart and everyone just goes in different directions. And <laughs> that's what the nails in the coffin are for. <laughs> that's what the nails... You're absolutely right. The coffin lids get nailed down so body snatchers can't easily take the corpse away, I would guess. You're only guessing. 
Who knew? More questions than answers. Episode 19. We actually have an answer. (laughs) Make a note of the time. This is fabulous. We're doing very well. You should have points wherever you go, which will be three in actuality. Yay, winning. I'm going to go. Well, on the back of the fact no one else has had a go yet. Yeah, you are on three. (laughs) But we shall see where we stand at the end of this round. I'm going to go to Britain for my story. It says, amateur ghost hunters claim to have made contact with the spirit of someone called Richard during a seance at a house with connections to Richard III. I will say this before we go any further, that do you know there was a film called The Madness of King George? Do you ever remember that? It was about 15 to 20 years ago. It was called The Madness of King George because originally the film was called George III. And if you know your history, George III was the king that lost the Americas for us. Um, partly on the back of the fact that he did go mad and didn't quite know what he was doing. But do you know why the film wasn't called George III and why it had to be changed? Anyone want to step in and gain some points? There's a silence. It wasn't called George III because they did some market research and they found out that people in America wouldn't go to see George III because they hadn't seen George I or George II. So it got changed from George III to the madness of King George. He goes on to say the 12 members of the Haunted Heritage recorded the spooky encounter at Donington Leheath Manor House in Britain, but said they did not want to publicise it at the time due to the furore surrounding the discovery of the remains of the king. Medium Jill Hibbert, 56, from Colville, said the name Richard was especially significant because the group was standing next to the bed in which the Plantagenet monarch was reported to have spent his last night before riding out to meet his end at the Battle of Bosworth in 1485. For those of you that know your Shakespeare, of course, Richard III was the very famous Shakespeare play where at the end he says, my horse, my horse, my kingdom for a horse, and then gets cut to lots of little pieces. The audio clip clearly captures a man's voice saying Richard in response to the question, what is your name? The only thing I would add to this is that when there's been a monarch or a queen of England, every person that's then born during that reign gets called that name. Have you any idea how many people were called Victoria during the reign of Queen Victoria? For example, Elizabeth was the most popular name, you know, in the 1950s when she became our monarch in 1953. And I was just wondering, of course, you know, baby George, you just know there's going to be... I want a little George. (laughs) You want a little baby George. Well, I'll bring up Kate and and ask if she'll let you have him. But you just know that every other boy in Britain is now going to be called George. So it comes as no surprise, honestly, if you're in a building that's that old and you get the name Richard come through because there would have been a lot of people called Richard I guess in around the reign of Richard the third his last name head that's appallingly bad this early on in the show (laughs) and the points you have gained have suddenly disappeared ethereally in a cloud of smoke I'm melting you're down to zero what a fabulous start for you what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings Kim scientists find intimate tattoo on 1300 year old Egypt mummy wow Egyptologists at the British Museum have examined a series of ancient mummies and uncovered some unexpected secrets which have literally been kept under wraps until now. Eight ancient mummies of Egypt underwent CAT scans at London hospitals, and scientists discovered a tattoo of a man's name on the inner thigh of a 1300-year-old mummy. 13-year-old mummy. 
<laughs> so, so someone's mother has got the name of someone tattooed on their inner thigh. Uh, the female corpse was between the age of 20 to 35. Okay. That's quite old, I suspect, going back in years. Probably. It's not as young as you would think it to be now. Uh, totally wrapped in bandages and often considered figures of terror, Egypt's mummies have long captivated archaeologists and normal people alike. Now eight mummies are on display at the British Museum in a new exhibition disclosing the human side of the mummies of the Nile. I really like the British Museum. It's free to get into. It's in Holborn in uh, central London. It's free to get in. It's a fabulous neoclassical building. It's got all the columns and all the marble. It looks just a joy to behold. It's free. Most of the museums, most of the galleries in Britain are free. You know, It's a very kind of socialist attitude of education for the masses. But lottery funding actually pays for a lot of our galleries and museums. You don't have to pay to get into them. So I've spent many a happy hour wandering around the British Museum. But what they do, and from a paranormal perspective, it's uh, very interesting, is you can actually book the Egyptology area of the British Museum to do sleepovers. So when I go wandering around the British Museum, and I've, it stays open late, you know, sometimes the galleries are open all night um, in, in various parts of the building, but they have sleepovers where you can bring a sleeping bag and they hold parties for children and you can sleep in amongst all the mummies which i think is quite interesting but that would be a very interesting paranormal investigation my sister is an egyptologist she studies egyptology back in britain and she lectures at harlow college she said to me one thing that really interested interested her that's quite a recent discovery is that when they were undoing the bandages of one of the mummies they'd discovered, they found that there was cannabis seeds in amongst all the bandages. And the reason why that was important was the fact that cannabis only comes from South America. So obviously Egyptology goes back thousands and thousands of years, and it wasn't believed that they had discovered the Americas. We're led to believe, aren't we, that Columbus discovered the Americas, and, and it's absolute rubbish. You know, the Vikings were here four or 500 years before him, Neolithic man was walking around but isn't it intriguing that cannabis seeds only found in south america were in amongst the bandages of an egyptian mummy it asks a lot of questions and of course we are more questions than answers that's a fabulous story i'm liking that i think you should have three points as well do they have any idea of why the man's name was there does it say in your i would think there's an element of uh you know putting your lover's name on you perhaps there's a sense of ownership about that, isn't there? I've got Made but, in England tattooed on my ass. Really? Yeah, absolutely. The name that she had tattooed was Michael, and it was in Greek characters. And they believed that it was Archangel Michael, the patron saint of medieval Sudan. Wow. Well, there you learned something, I, I didn't have, you? Yeah, I have the Archangel Michael tattooed on my left shoulder. So it's very interesting that similar themes are still current. You're not going to tattoo it on your inner thigh? <laughs> I hadn't planned for that. Do you not find that? Just a sword. A two-handed broadsword, if you don't mind. (laughs) You think it's appropriate, do you, for me to get a man's name tattooed on my inner thigh? Is that what you're saying? Who is this Michael? Tell me who this Michael is. So, so wrong. Okay, (laughs) mum. That doesn't say mum, that says mammoth. (laughs) I shall move swiftly (laughs) swiftly on. Swiftly. Swiftly on. Um, I have another story here for Ghosts and Hauntings. It's a very short story. It says a 23-year-old woman is in hospital after she allegedly saw spirits whilst trying out a so-called ghost hunting application on her smartphone. The woman, known as Wu, 
Oh, there we go. There's one now. There's, there's your <laughs> there's your personality. It's just off to the left. <laughs> the woman, known only as Wu from Hubei in China, claimed to have seen spirits around her when she first tried the app. When she went to the cemetery with her parents during the Qingming Festival, she tried the application again. This time it allegedly showed three spirits by her side, leading her to have sleepless nights for three days. She had to seek medical treatment in the local hospital. This is really interesting, of course, because those familiar with the paranormal and paranormal investigating will be aware that you can get an app on your phone called Ghost Radar. I believe it was invented and put together by a gentleman called Bill Chappell. And uh, he also does the ovulus, if people are aware of that. But you can upload that to your phone. Can you remember how much that was? Do you remember? It's like was a dollar ninety nine, isn't it? It was free. free. It was free, free, was it? Hmm. So Ghost Radar, it's completely free. You get it on your phone. It shows you a little radar screen. And, uh, of course, this is complete fantasy. I mean, it's not a, a tool that you could use in the field as a paranormal investigator. It's a game, I would suggest. Um, a mobile phone doesn't have the capability of uh, utilising those things, I guess. But it shows a little radar screen and occasionally little blips come in that are meant to be ghosts. But this lady was so spooked by this, she's uh, actually spent time in hospital on the back of this. So just be aware of what you wish for, I guess. We are at the end of that round. Greg is on a resplendent three for getting his sonar in working order this week i have two points heather is back to zero and kim is on three so it is all to play for as we go running with the bigfoots and swimming with the Loch Ness monster into the ufos and cryptozoology round what have you got for us tonight heather i'll start with you again green men hairy beasties what have we got the headmaster is accused of owning goblins and he's pressured to leave the school that's green men isn't it yeah villagers in Dungamuzi area in Lepain are demanding the transfer of the secondary school headmaster, Mr. Peter Moyo, whom they accuse of owning goblins that have been terrorizing pupils and teaching staff at the school. Where were these goblins when I was at school? I was a teacher. I could have done with You're that. one of the goblins. Great. <laughs> Just go into the paper store with that goblin and he won't be misbehaving again. Last term lessons at the school were disrupted for almost two weeks after teachers abandoned the school following several nights of sexual abuse by the alleged goblins. Well, that makes it less funny, of course. Well, it's it's not for the kids. Female teachers at the school claimed that during the night they would dream of making love to someone. And then they woke up the next morning with signs that they would have actually had sex during the night. It wasn't Kermit the Frog, was it? <laughs> what? <laughs> I tell you what, Miss Piggy's not going to be happy with that. Wow. What, what do you think to that? Yeah, I'd be concerned. Some male teachers also claimed that they woke up every morning wearing female panties whose origin they did not know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my dad used that. My dad used what? that. <laughs> my dad had to start wearing a bra when my mom found one in the car. <laughs> Mrs. Gooney said the only option available was to wait for the headmaster to request a transfer. Yes, I received the request. However, there is very little we can do because of the country's stance on such issues as witchcraft. We can't transfer the headmaster on the basis of witchcraft accusations. The law doesn't allow us to do so. After we conducted the cleansing ceremony, we were led to Moyo's house where we recovered reeds, herbs, tree roots, and many strange items green from his sperm. Ward. They retrieved green sperm. What are you listening to? Uh, your report, by all accounts. What was the first two again? Reeds, herbs, oh, tree reeds roots. and herbs. 
Well, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking that there's a goblin. I don't know. Does it come in various colours and shades? I don't have any experience of these things. And also hobo water. <laughs> well, that's that's a completely different <laughs> issue, of course. I did say herbal water. I didn't say hobo water. It was quite Whatever. clear. Quite, quite clear disagree. on the recording. It said herbal water. Yeah. You <laughs> said it again. It's hobo <laughs> water. How many hobos do you have to squeeze to get a pint of hobo water? <laughs> I mean, do you leave them out in the sun all day by the park bench? I mean, is it warm? What goes on here? Is it hobo essence? (laughs) Essence of hobo. (laughs) I might buy that for my mother this Christmas. I think that's L'Oreal, isn't it? Um, The things that they recovered would turn into human-like creatures or goblins at night and would terrorize the teachers. We took those items and burnt them. For now, things are normal, but we feel Moyo should be transferred with immediate effect before these things return. So there's goblins in the school. It's making the men wake up in the... With women's panties. With women's panties on. And the women have been interfered with in the night. That's correct. So it's just... Where are we just at Yeah, what school's this? Where can we get there? This is in Africa, isn't it? It's in the Lapain area in Dungamuzi in Zimbabwe. Ah, Zimbabwe. That that answers a lot of questions. There you go. Similar to Nigeria. There's always a Zimbabwe or... Those little goblins. They get everywhere, don't they? I'm sure that's Kermit the Frog. (laughs) <laughs> I can just see Kermit the Frog in bed now, you know, with a couple of hookers and snorting cocaine and Miss Piggy at home with her dinner waiting for him. And Can't find her underwear. Can't find her underwear. <laughs> <laughs> What's a pig's underwear look like? <laughs> I mean, they've got more than two nipples, haven't they? A bra's going to We're have... not going to get into the nipple debate. <laughs> to be fair, we've never, we've never discussed a pig's nipples, to be fair. That is, that is new territory for us. Wow! <laughs> Can you imagine coming home and smelling a bacon, and, our, and the wife having to ask? I just—it's remarkable. Just stop now; it's easier. <laughs> I shall jump into Australia with one big foot. It says it's considered Australia's answer to the Loch Ness monster, with everyone from famous politicians to entire families having claimed to see the Yowie. Have you heard of a Yowie before? No, I've had a Yowie before. Can, I put a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> you'll be getting one shortly. <laughs> Now Yowie hunter Rex Gilroy believes he has found evidence that proves North America's Bigfoot is a distant relative of the Australian bush monster. That's a little unfair on Nicole Kingman, isn't it? (laughs) The Blue Mountains resident, an author of several books on the subject, says he has identified four different species of the Yowie, which are a subspecies of Homo erectus. Ever seen a Homo erectus, Greg? No, I have not. The night is still young. I'm going to cop flack for saying that, he says, but it's true and I have evidence to prove it. Gilroy has been investigating. There we go. There's a yowie that's trod on a Lego brick. (laughs) There's nothing more painful, is there, than treading on a Lego brick? On a yowie. (laughs) On a yowie. Gilroy has been investigating and documenting evidence of what he's called a Bigfoot of the bush for 63 years and said reported sightings go as far back as aboriginal times the reason so many hunters have tried and failed is because they are looking for a big hairy monster that doesn't exist said gilroy who is one of the dozens of experts speaking at the paranormal convention paracon australia in may there's a pattern throughout all of australia where the aboriginals used to refer to it as the hairy man which meant a hairy man or hairy woman there have been Yowie sightings in Australia dating back to pre-Federation times, with the first recorded accounts being in the mid-1800s. 
It has been an enduring myth of Australian culture, in the same way that Bigfoot, Yeti and the Loch Ness Monster have all sparked decade-long quests to prove or disprove their legends. The creature has been spotted all over Australia, predominantly in the Blue Mountain regions of New South Wales, the Australian Alps in Victoria, the Arcacia Hills area of the Northern Territory and Springbrook in the southeastern Queensland area. One of the most notable sightings comes from the former Queensland Senator Bill O'Chee, who was one of over a dozen people, including fellow high school students and teachers, who claimed to have seen the immensely powerful creature at a Springbrook campsite in 1977. Basically, we saw a yowie, but we didn't know what it was at the time, he said in a documentary. We saw a sort of hairy, ape-like thing that probably would have stood about eight feet tall and moved in a sort of crab-like fashion. That's a defensive line for the Vikings, isn't it? Australian Yari researcher Paul Cropper says that he's seen over 350 sightings with plenty of compelling evidence, but there is no smoking gun. Anyone who says it's a hoax or a joke is wrong, he says. It's a genuine, fascinating mystery. Having spoken to hundreds of primary sources, people are absolutely clear that it was actually something that they saw. So Australia has a Bigfoot. Who knew such things? Quite remarkable, but again, it's amazing that they've never found a carcass. I go back to this every time we talk about Bigfoot. If Bigfoot existed, surely somewhere there would be a carcass. You see them running across roads. You hear reports, don't you? I was driving along the highway and I saw a Bigfoot in my headlights. At what point is someone going to hit one? How many deer get hit on a regular basis in the Midwest, do you think? Do you not believe that at some point... How often do you run across a wolf carcass? This is true, but there aren't actually wolves in this area. I've seen coyotes. There's no wolves down here, surely. Everyone's looking at each other in a very strange manner. They just shot a cougar last year. That's not a wolf. One's a dog and one's a cat. (laughs) There's wolves down here. I will say to you, though, that you never find a carcass, do you? That's the point. That's what I'm saying. I know. But wolves do exist. There are wolf carcasses around. That means that Yowie can exist. What, because they've not found a carcass? Yeah. Well, I'm sceptical, but then you know, I have a sceptical nature. I find it very odd. The bush in Australia isn't very bushy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an oxymoron, like the word military intelligence. It's called the bush, but it's a desert in effect. There's very little bush. There's no bush there at all, Kim. It's a dry <laughs> it's, bush. It's dry, it's smooth. There's no foliage anywhere. Not a, not a bean, not a twig. Completely, completely flat. Barren. Barren, I would say, almost. <laughs> Nothing there. Barren bush. Barren bush. So there we go. What have you got for me tonight, Kim? I'm going to, at the end of my story, explain to you your answer. I'm going to give you answers to your questions. Wow, this would be a first on this show, wouldn't it? So our <laughs> listeners are probably moist just in anticipation. What? <laughs> <laughs> UFO photographs linked to Bigfoot in Oregon. He's back again. Yep. He's trod on the other Lego brick. The strange insect activity, lights in the sky, and the subsequent evidence two witnesses gathered in the fall of 2012 in southern Oregon suggests a possible link between Bigfoot and UFO activity. According to the couple, they were driving home near dusk on a road next to Fish Lake, where researcher Eugene and his son had recorded a Bigfoot call the day before when they noticed swarms of black streaks in the sky. How do you call a Bigfoot? What do you call a Bigfoot? How do you call it? Well, it depends what his name is. Like, hi, Colin. 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 <laughs> Wasn't that a... <laughs> Colin. 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 
Colin. <laughs> that was a reindeer. Colin. <laughs> Are you going to stop? Colin. <laughs> oh, it's not Colin. It's Dave. Colin. <laughs> what do you mean? Your you... Tourette's is acting up tonight. <laughs> no, this is Florets. <laughs> I, I shout out things like cauliflower, broccoli. Colin. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was one of Santa's reindeer, I thought. I do think that name did. Two, you can have more than one person called Colin. It's not a person. You it's said not, reindeer. It's a reindeer. <laughs> My apologies to all reindeers out there. You aren't people. Named Colin. Named Colin. Don't write to me. Write to Heather at MQTA at rocketmail.com. <laughs> like a reindeer could write. They haven't even got poseable thumbs. Just outrageous, ridiculous. <laughs> Who's thinking this stuff? Kim, do continue. There's a story in there. Um, Colin! Talking about the swarms and the black streaks in the sky. You've had black He says, streaks. I didn't hear a sound, and I know that they weren't bees or locusts. We thought they were mosquitoes, the woman reported to MUFON. After the observers watched the insects produce a line that took seven miles of the road, they decided to pull over and take pictures of the event. You can see in the first photo that there was one light in the sky or what appeared to be a light in the sky at the time of the photograph. Then she says, aware of something invisible that she could feel was behind them, she turned to take a photograph of an empty space resulting in photograph number three and without a doubt the most interesting of the set. I couldn't see anything but found it compelling to take the photograph. I put it on my computer and saw orbs traveling in the beam that the IR on my camera captured. Insects are known for being able to sense heat in order to hunt their prey. This would possibly explain why the insects seemed attracted to the beam of light invisible to human eyes. A paranormal school of thought proposes the interdimensional hypothesis, which suggests these visitations could be part of entities traveling through different layers of reality or dimensions, or even simpler, Bigfoot being used by extraterrestrial beings as a tool to explore planet Earth using light beams to teletransport the elusive creature. Wow, that's a stretch, isn't it? I like the idea that if it could go both ways. Imagine there's portals where a Bigfoot could be put on Earth to do some sort of uh, exploring. Wouldn't it be great if in the opposite direction there goes like a cow? So suddenly this cow <laughs> sat chewing grass. You know, and all and of that a sudden, cow is reporting back many important things to us. Yes. And everyone thinks it's just sat there ruminating. But in actuality, it, it's going out there on behalf of mankind and actually observing in its capacity as a ruminant to bring back important information about foreign places. Or it could just be taken That's by surprise. That's where mad cow disease came from. There you go, foreign planets. There are indeed more questions than answers. When's mummy coming home? Mummy just disappeared. Mummy's on Mars at the moment, chewing, looking, so recording. So Bigfoot's an ambassador? I believe so. An investigator. An investigator. On behalf of Martians and aliens all over the world. And they sent that. Well, just because it's hairy doesn't mean, you know... You <laughs> Go do- on, then. <laughs> Adrian sat quietly, thinking about his next statement. Why am I talking about myself in the third person, he's thinking. <laughs> Colin! I find that very odd. You said that was going to answer a lot of questions, didn't you? I, I you barely scratched the surface for me. I like the idea that all these insects could suddenly appear in such a long swarm... Wouldn't it be great if they could actually write something out? Like, <laughs> help me. Do you know Will you marry me? <laughs> well, <laughs> Tina the Stick Insect has like, hired all of her friends, the mosquitoes, to put a sign in the sky. And, you know, her boyfriend's out in the, in the bush. And, you know, the barren bush. <laughs> the barren is it, If you have insects, you know, in the barren bush wanting to get married, then, then this would be the way to go. Do you know aeroplanes fly 
obviously, for good ones do, um, they could have a banner <laughs> behind it. Like, insects could do that, couldn't they? They wouldn't need the aeroplane. No. If you have a banner saying, you know, Tina, will you marry me with a love heart? You know, you could have insects doing that and they wouldn't have to hire How an aeroplane. Well, you'd pay them in, like, something sticky, wouldn't you? You'd pay them in sugar or <laughs> syrup. <laughs> I don't think they're very complicated creatures. I don't think they'd want to cut. Then how would they know how to spell? <laughs> well, you'd have to write it down for them on a bit of paper. You stupid. <laughs> right, this is what I want. I'll write it down for you. Don't worry that you can't read it. We're just looking for the shapes at this stage. Next well, career in life, insect trainer. Insect trainer. That's like a flea circus, isn't it? Oh, no. My insects have got out. There's people slapping themselves as my mosquito circus suddenly takes a dive. Um, we're at the end of our round. I shall give points all around. Yay. Greg, he's looking resplendent in his baseball cap. He shall get two. I shall get um, six points for coming up with the fabulous idea of having insects spelling out words in the sky for people that want to get married. Heather, you have ground to a fabulous two. Kim, I shall give wow. you three points and you are now on six. Does anyone have anything to add to our round cryptozoological news? Sorry, my battery's just run out. Would you like a peep? <laughs> yes, it's time for peeps in the ad break. You know I can't have peeps. You know how peeps affect me. You have no peeps. I have no peeps. Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Colin, Bigfoot, crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the banquet room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on end training insects is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you or your business would like to sponsor the show and contribute to the beast that is more questions than answers, you are more than welcome to contact me. You are listening to the very best in live paranormal digital talk radio with your host Adrian Lee. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. Has anyone heard that song, by the way? Do you know who Johnny Nash is? I read this out every week. Does anyone know? I've heard the name before, but I don't know. Yeah, he did. Um, he was most famous for the song, um, I Can See Clearly Now the Rain. Got I Can it. See Deirdre Now the Rain Has Gone was his biggest one. But he had a fabulous song. I do recommend our listeners to go look that up. I did actually want that at one point for my intro but there were some copyright issues but if you look up johnny nash and you listen to the song more questions than answers you will not be disappointed 
I'm famous, of course, for being banned in Lithuania for introducing the world to dirty hobo water. And sometimes the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been and what could have been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all the way around the bedroom. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and Kim's mother has now stopped snoring. So onwards, we march, we move into the round that is strange and bizarre. To keep with the theme of tonight's show, Heather, what have you got for me tonight with strange and bizarre? What time is it? I have absolutely no idea. The sun has gone down and I can no longer see the stars. Do you have a watch? Is it hammer time? No. But do you have a watch? Not on me. Not on you? Where is this going? This is going to be some really bad joke that you're going to lose points over. So I would consider what your I next I was just sentence. going with your massage that you had. Man's missing $35,000 Rolex recovered from a masseuse's vagina. Wow. Did she say, can you take your ring off? That's really painful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kim's asthma's not getting any better, is it, to be fair? That pollen season's really hitting us hard. How can you lose a watch? I mean, I, I could imagine a ring. I mean, did Shelley find out when the alarm went off? Well, it's the guy that lost it. She didn't lose it. Well, she discovered it. Well, oh, she didn't. Yeah. She couldn't have known it was there, surely. She knew it was there. She knew it was there. She put it there. Oh, she stole it. Yeah, she yanked it. It's lucky he didn't have a roll of nickels. Wow. <laughs> Christina Lefebvre. Did the time. Now she's charged with the crime. The caper of the missing $35,000 Rolex presidential watch began with drinks and some chit-chat. Between do you remember, sorry, do you remember Flavor Flav of Public Enemy? Yeah. Do you remember that huge clock. clock he had hanging around his neck? That didn't go up her vagina. Oh, I'm just checking. I just wanted to... Wow. Uh, soon the two were heading upstairs to Harold's suite after he forked over $300 bills for a private massage offered by the 25-year-old Lefebvre. On his left wrist, as seen on security surveillance, was the yellow-colored timepiece. A few hours later, about 3 a.m. on January 15th, Harold called the wind security to his suite. Harold later would tell the investigators that once he and Lefebvre had gone to his room, he disrobed and got onto a massage table that was in the suite. About 30 minutes into the rubdown, Lefebvre told Harold to take off his watch so she could massage his arms. He put the watch on the ground within his view. Five to seven minutes later, it was gone. How did he know it was five to seven minutes later with his watch gone? It was just a guess. That that, at that point, it was an estimation, wasn't it? That's all it took. In seven minutes and 34 seconds, his watch disappeared. That's right. Lefebvre steadfastly denied any wrongdoing, so two Metro officers combed the suite for the watch to no avail did that leave the mother avenues to explore it did were police looking into it (laughs) (laughs) there was one place they hadn't looked lefebvre finally admitted where the watch was the police said she was taken to university medical center where she was in pain a search warrant was signed and an x-ray was taken of lefebvre's midsection Prior to medical staff assisting Lefebvre with the removal of the watch, she admitted to them that she had stolen the watch and concealed the item in her vagina. Lefebvre faces two felony counts, grand larceny, and possession of stolen property. 
It's not known whether the watch was returned to its owner or remains in evidence in the vault at the police station. Did he get his car keys back? <laughs> I wonder if you Is could, that not incredible? I could, love that. It's a good story. I'm just wondering if you walk very fast, all the cars in the car park suddenly start beeping and doors I, fly open. And, with a watch? Do they have, can you set a time alarm on a Rolex or not? Yeah, you only got 30 minutes. <laughs> wow. What if it all of a sudden started beeping? That would be very strange. How odd. She must have been naked, wasn't she, at that point? I you must have been. I, mean, I, don't I need know. more details. Maybe she had a skirt on. This is possible. There are indeed more questions than answers. So always check to see if you have your watch when leaving a masseuse's. Well, you're, you're telling me this is information I might need. Is this what you're saying? I don't have a watch. If that's going to happen, it's going to have to be my phone. I can only I can only tell the time by turning the phone I Or your in. wallet. My wallet doesn't tell me the time. But it would fit up there. I don't know. I don't know the woman. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm willing to give it a shot. If she wants to come in one evening, we can get that live on air. But I'm not. I don't know the lady. I can't talk on behalf of her. I don't know what she has or what's going on. That had to have been water resistant, right? I'm scared. Oh, jeez. To a depth of five fathoms. <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference between waterproof and water resistant did you know that no go on then. in terms of watches well a waterproof watch will completely mess up if you put it in water it has to be water resistant there is a difference it's the way in which things are worded for advertisements and commercials and so forth it's like the difference between flammable and inflammable i mean they're the same thing aren't they it's very confusing because if a word has in in front of it, like it's appropriate or it's inappropriate, it means the opposite. But with flammable, for example, what's the difference between flammable and inflammable? It's the same thing, isn't it? I don't know. There's a lot of blank faces. I think I read that it was for foreigners that don't know English very well and would make the assumption that if something is inflammable, because it has the in in front of it, they would assume, based on the rest of the English language, like the word inappropriate in my example, that it was okay to smoke around it and to kind of, you know, leave it unattended and so forth. When in actual fact, they've made flammable and inflammable the same, so there isn't a confusion over what's going to ignite and what isn't. But there is more research to be done in this area. It is very true. I do like etymology, which isn't, of course... The collection of insects, that's entomology. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Woman drives car into church, stabs husband, and claims he was worshipping NASCAR. Oh, it's just a normal Sunday night. Yep. Fabulous, in and out the pews. Did you know the way, um, do you know that's not the aisle? Are you aware, do you know when you take a woman up the aisle? Are you aware of this, Greg? No. What? The, you know, do you know the term to take a woman up the aisle, to marry her? Uh, it's not called an aisle. It's completely wrong. An aisle. I thought you were referring to something else. Well, you, you've got. You're still thinking about your last story. Obviously, <laughs> we're talking about church. How can you even think about that? No, the aisle is actually the bits at the side. The thing that goes up and down the middle is the central passage. So you're actually taking a woman up the central passage. You're not taking up the aisle at all. That makes it all the better. Yeah, Thank so you. Yeah, so I thought I'd clarify that for everybody. <laughs> Sorry, do continue. NASCAR. NASCAR, of course, is like flushing M&Ms down the toilet and watching all the colours go around, isn't it? Or is it just me? Does it flush <laughs> left or right? It's me. Okay. Do you know why the flush on the toilet is always on the left-hand side when actually everyone's right-handed? No. 
No, it's. I mean, if you, I don't want people to go now and look at their toilets, but if you go to the toilet, the handle's always on the left, and yet everyone, apart from a few odd people, are right-handed. Okay, think so the I... handle. I think it goes back to the days when you used to have the cistern up high to create the water pressure, and you'd have a chain, and I think you'd pull the chain whilst you were sat on the toilet, in which case that would be your right hand. But now. I mean, let's go around the table. Do you flush the toilet while you're sitting down or do you get up and then flush it? Heather, where are you on this? Do you, are you a sitter or are you a stander? Where, when would you flush it? I'm a stander, but I have a theory on that. You're ambidextrous. You can do nothing with both no, hands. Yes. Well, if men would use their one hand to use the restroom, you don't want that same hand touching well, I, I the can't plunger. Talk, I can't talk on behalf of Greg, but I think we use both hands is, is where we are. Is that right, Greg? <laughs> Only dreamers do that. Okay. So you hold it, you, Greg. You're closest. If you have your junk in one hand, you want to be able to flush with the other hand and not have your junk juice on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that some sort of new promotion from Subway? Get a foot long with some junk juice. <laughs> wow. Greg, Greg can't even wait to leave the studio. Um, that's the, I can't even use that waste paper basket anymore. You're going to have to throw that away. I don't think... So let me get this right. The flush on a cistern is on the left-hand side yes. because you believe that most men are right-handed and would hold their bits yes. whilst going to the bathroom. Yes. And so if they do it left-handed, they haven't got their junk juice on it. <laughs> that's the good right. old JJ. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you'd like to furnish with us? Any other no, theories? No, that pretty much seals it, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Why? So you, you didn't tell me. Are you a, are you a stander upper or a sitter down when you're going for the well, flush? Well, that's just uncomfortable to try to turn around and flush it when you're sitting down. That's what I'm saying. That's so why it, it would be standing. So it should, in theory, be on the right. <laughs> should? <laughs> there goes uh, Heather's broadcasting career. No, it shouldn't, career. because you'd get your junk juice on it then. So you keep saying, I shall move on. Kim, any thoughts on this area? I'm way too practical. You have to stand up, close the lid for sanitary reasons, then flush it. You're 100% correct because, do you know, they do this show where people go around into people's houses and the people are obviously have some sort of mental illness and they've got kind of newspapers stacked up and, you know, there's... Quarters. Yeah, there's baked bean cans uh, from the 1970s and you can't see the carpet. What are these shows called? Hoarders. Hoarders, thank you. Yes, you're right, yeah. Um, In Britain, it's called um, Clean My House, something like that. But uh, yes, when they um, show toothbrushes in the bathroom, it's amazing when they take the toothbrush off to the lab that the bristles of the toothbrush have fecal matter on them because you're absolutely 100% correct. When you flush the toilet, stuff leaps out all over the place. So again you would flush the toilet standing up. So again, the handle's on the left for you. If you're sitting down, Greg, where, where are we with this? You are, would you flush sitting down or standing up? I would stand up. So everyone around this table is saying they would stand up after using the bathroom in the sitting down position, but the flush is always on the left. I gave the explanation. I have no doubt that it's to do with sitting down when it used to be a chain. I can't believe... I can't believe. <laughs> we'll go with your theory then. The flush is on the left-hand side of a system because men use their right hand and they don't want to get junk juice on the handle. <laughs> Let's go with that. I'm sure there's points in there somewhere, but I, for the life of me, I can't find them. Kim, was there a story in there? I think there was. Excellent. <laughs> 
nice call, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. A 911 recording reveals the frantic moments a husband called for help after Churchill, Tennessee police say his wife crashed her car into a Hawkins County church, claiming God told her to do it. <laughs> moments later, police say she stabbed her husband. Oh. Stephanie Hammond is charged with attempted first-degree murder and felony vandalism. Hammond told Church Hill Police she was angry because her husband was worshipping the NASCAR race at Bristol. Church police. (laughs) Get down and pray and no one gets hurt. (laughs) Church Hill Police released a photo of the damage left behind after investigators say Stephanie crashed her car through the doors of Providence Church. Can you imagine the pastor saying... God, we're here for Easter. Just give us a sign, any sign, something from God, something we can recognize to prove our faith to you. Just anything at all, just something we can recognize. And then a 1977 Plymouth comes charging through the nave. Amazing, isn't it's it? It's incredible. I just, it's, it's a gift. The husband says, I don't know what's gotten into my wife. She went and wrecked her car into the church down here. Then he sighs. I don't know what's wrong with her. He pulled, uh, then he left. He pulled the knife from his chest. <laughs> I, th- I got a kick out of all this. He gets this. stabbed regularly, I would think. Returned to his apartment at the landings on Silver Lake Road, which is across the street from the church, and waited on police and emergency workers to arrive. Stabbed in a church. Wow. And his wife is in jail. No bond. I'm not surprised. She sounds uh, very odd indeed. So there's always someone worse off. Than yourself, of course. So just be aware when you're in church, perhaps sitting at the front would in fact be the way to go rather than the people that sneak in and sit at the back. <laughs> I've got a story here for the strange and the bizarre because nothing that's gone before this, of course, has been in any way, shape, or form strange and bizarre, of course. Residents of a small town in Nigeria have fled in panic after a chicken began talking in Arabic before being slaughtered, police said. Isn't it amazing that we discover a talking chicken and the first thing we do is kill it? It's like those people that go hunting for Bigfoot. I want to prove that Bigfoot exists and the first thing I'm going to do is shoot it, of course. Um, It was probably shot because it was talking Arabic, I would suggest. Banu State Police said that the incident of the talking chicken occurred at a local market... I'm just taking its statement. Could you say that again, sir? There we go. And at what time was that? What time... Really? And uh, what happened then? The man came in with a knife, was it? He had a knife. Wow. So uh, what happened after they came in with the knife? Well, you couldn't get out. And then what happened? And then they attacked you. (laughs) They took your feathers. Then what happened? (laughs) Greg's... Yay! Greg's run out. (laughs) Happy days. (laughs) <laughs> Greg's just improvising now and he's showing off. <laughs> this took place in a local market in McCurdy. Residents living near the Wadata market fled as the news of the talking chicken spread <laughs> like fire. I heard that the police have taken the chicken into their possession and that it is why it is currently at the police station. This is why the police station is so crowded. You would have a crowded police station, wouldn't you, if it got out in the village that they were holding a talking chicken under lock and key they probably got to uh, go and visit a uh, they need someone to translate don't they mm-hmm. I mean if the chicken's talking Arabic it's obviously a chicken from the Middle East and it's obviously lost if it's in uh, Western Africa I would suggest everyone wants to see the chicken talk a woman said 
As the residents crowded the local roads, police shot tear gas to disperse the crowds and cleared the roadways for normal traffic. This was not the first time, though, that an animal began to talk before it was killed. Zalman Rosan and his worker, Louis Navallo of New York, said they were about to kill a fish when it began shouting at them. It said, watch out, and the end is coming, Rosen said. It tasted really good with tartar sauce and a plate of chips. Rosen admitted that in a state of panic, he tried to kill the fish, injuring himself in the process, <laughs> and ended up in hospital. I wonder if the fish was battered. Which section of the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't quite say. Where, 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 is there a joke looming? Is oh, there... I'm wondering if it was the psych ward. Ah, rather than the fish battery section that you read so much about. <laughs> the fish was finally killed by Navilo and then sold. So they sold the talking fish. If anyone has a talking animal, please be sure. What was the Not to kill movie? it. Charlotte. No. Mr. Flippet. What? Jaws. No, Jaws didn't talk. He just Chicken run. Mr. Ann. No, the fish with Don Knotts, and he was talking. You're talking American culture now from a long time ago, so I'm going to be left wanting. Can't help you, sorry. I know there was a talking chicken in that film Chicken Run, but he looked like he was made out of plasticine or Sculpey or something, so I don't think think he was real. So how'd that chicken die? It was battered. Oh, they they didn't choke it then. Oh, man. If anyone out there has a talking chicken... Don't choke it. Don't choke it would be my advice, and... uh, one of the things, I did actually meet a salmon once that was called Rusty. Did I tell you about this? He no. was He was a poet, this fish, and he said he'd swam all the way around the ocean and he visited the Titanic and he'd actually written some poetry about the Titanic. And I said to Salmon, I said to Salmon Rusty, what did you call it? And he said, it's the SS Titanic Verses by Salmon Rusty. An understanding of world knowledge of culture and books would probably be something that would help me at this stage in time. Does anyone have any more stories on the strange and the bizarre? No, we shall move on. There's points to be had. This is our final round because this hasn't been mentioned already, has it? But this is not for your mother. So despite the fact that we've been talking about chickens and lost Rolex watches and brothels, this is actually the part of the show that your mother now has to leave the building so if you can wake your mother up kim and just push her into the room next door that'd be fabulous (laughs) and uh, make her a cup of tea if there's any minors in the room if there's any young children people that are easily offended any baptists out there you just make sure they're in a different room and uh, controversial and uh, we shall continue with this round not for your mother who would like to start i think i'll jump straight in actually this is a story it continues our fish round of course which is fabulous a good segue it says beyond freeland was gutting a large cod he'd caught when he felt a big lump in its belly when was the last time you had that experience kim oh, it's been a while i know i'm sorry <laughs> anything you'd like to say at this stage greg no okay we should move on. <laughs> he says he cut into the large cod and within its stomach he found two semi-digested herrings but then he pulled out a hefty orange vibrator Fryland 64 <laughs> no has spent <laughs> and with that's a clothes dryer that's a big one it's that, a big one it's gonna need a car battery <laughs> why madam that's huge that's my thermos that's flask. gotta be a pull start <laughs> oh man can you understand why your mother really doesn't have to be in the room at the moment. Just, <laughs> Nor would even, you want her here. <laughs> I've not even started my story. 
Freeland, 64, has spent his spare time fishing in the waters around his home in western Norway for as long as he can remember. But this is the first time he's heard of a fish swallowing discarded sex toys. I was astonished, he said. It was totally unexpected. I have never seen anything like this before. I would suggest he needs to go online if he's never seen anything like it before. Or was he talking about the fish? His theory is that the cod, which weighed upwards of five kilograms, mistook the vibrator for a tasty snack. Fish eat all kinds of different things, he said. And the dildo looks like what fish eat. It puts you off skinny dipping, doesn't it? I'm not going to be doing that in the summer. He goes on to say, we have all kinds of multicoloured octopuses in Norway. Maybe the cod thought this was one of them and ate it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but an octopus has eight appendages, though. So I'm not quite sure how he could muddle those two things up. He speculated that the machine, which still had a small motor at one end, had been tossed off of a boat, perhaps by a frustrated woman on a cruise <laughs> in the Barents Sea. The chances of winning the lottery are probably greater, he said. What, you mean that a cod with an orange dildo in its belly? Do you think so? By the way, if you swallow a large vibrator, apparently it hurts twice. (laughs) Heather. I just want to say one thing. I saw that picture. I know what that model is. You've got an awareness of that model of you. Yeah, it's called the eager beaver. It's called the eager beaver. It was Mm. orange. Yes. And what what, what are we looking at in terms of size? I mean, that's got to be a big cod, isn't it, to swallow that? A very big cod. A very big cod. We'll leave it there. I'm glad you jump in and wish to A tell friend them. had it. Uh-huh. Okay. And what was their name? <laughs> <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? An arousing taste. Viagra dosed ice cream flavor created. Viagra ice cream? Yes. Where do you rub it? Where does the flake go? Does it come with a cornet? A what? Are these all British things? You ask for an ice cream, you get an ice cream cornet. What do you call it over here? A cone. You call it a cone. What are you thinking? It doesn't come with a cone. Maybe. Charlie Francis of Lick Me, I'm Delicious, is no stranger to making unique flavors of ice cream from raspberry mojito dark port and Stilton to roast beef and horseradish. Does Viagra have a flavor, Greg? I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But recently, upon special request from an A-list celebrity client, Francis created an even stranger variation, Viagra Dosed Ice Cream. It's all very secretive. We've had to sign a confidentiality agreement, so I can't reveal the name of the client, said Francis in a press statement. All I'm allowed to say is that for a party, that they were very happy with the end result. According to the makers, the Viagra-laced ice cream has appropriately been named the Arousal, and each scoop of ice cream contains 25 milligrams Viagra dose. Viagra is properly known as uh, Sildenafil. I've been there on my holidays. That's one of the Greek (laughs) islands. And it is used to treat male sexual function problems. As for the exact taste of the ice cream, the ice cream makers add... Blueberries. (laughs) <laughs> no. Oh! <laughs> Raspberries? I don't know. <laughs> it's a cherry. <laughs> and put some cream on top. The ice cream makers add that it is flavored with bubbly champagne. Doesn't that get up your nose? I always find the bubbles of champagne go up my nose. <laughs> Perhaps I shouldn't have said that live on air. Probably not. 
Champagne's a very odd beast because it was originally invented because all of the stuff that was left over and the worst grapes just tasted so bad they were going to throw them away. So it's actually a byproduct. All the worst grapes were then used to make champagne and they put fizz in it to hide the taste. So originally, ironically, the worst grapes and all the stuff that was due to be thrown away then got used to make the champagne with. So very strange Mm. and very bizarre. So is that coming to Dairy Queen soon? I just... We have some downstairs. What, Dairy Queen? Or Viagra flavoured ice cream. What are we doing here? And that's the end of tonight's show. Thank you for listening. Oh, there we go. You're really having problems with your hay fever there, aren't you? That's a real... You need to look... You need to get that looked at. My mother got a phone call like that once. The phone rang. There was a guy on the other end. It started out in that manner. And uh, subsequently... The man on the other end of the phone said to my mum, I bet you can't guess what I've got in my right hand. And my mum said, if you've only got it in one hand, I'm not interested, and put the phone down. We never got any more of those calls, quite, <laughs> quite bizarrely. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight in Not For Your Mother? Bear in mind, your mother is next door and the walls are very thin. Mosca Energy Drink banned in Australia for giving men an erection. What is it yes! with you two? Ice cream drinks is nothing safe. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> should I say this next sentence the way Adrian would, or should I read it correctly? <laughs> <laughs> and Kim is on minus three. It is the herbal energy drink. Herbal. <laughs> hobo. It's the hobo energy it's the drink. Hobo. Can you imagine if you had a hobo energy drink? There'd be just vagrants and trams running around at high speed. There'd just be a blur of newspapers <laughs> and flies. And, and brown bottles, and it would just be a, a terrible... You could go to the park, and it would be just a blur of vagrants running around. In fact, you wouldn't see them. You'd get a blur of brown, a couple of flies following them, like pig pen from Peanuts, and then you'd get the faint whiff of, you know, Jack Daniels in the air. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, you could have them in the Olympics. What if we had vagrants lined up on Olympic line? You've got the 100 yards drunk dash. The gun goes off, and then all these old men run in different directions. He's the first one to get over the line on his hands and knees. My dad was walking home from the pub one night, and someone trod in his fingers. That is true. I found him in the front yard. I had to bring him in. My mother doesn't know about that. but You've uh, had pop tonight, haven't I've you? I've had some peeps. It has happened. Kim, <laughs> energy drinks that give erections. Uh, Australian authorities are warning that Mosca may not provide the happy ending consumers are hoping for. (laughs) No, you have to give your watch up for that. (laughs) Uh, The Therapeutic Goods Administration is warning of the stiff side effects of drinking Mosca (laughs) after it was found to include ingredients used in the treatment of erectile dysfunction. Do you know how they discovered the chemicals for this? For erections? Yeah. They come from spider bites. There's certain spiders... They have such bizarre toxins in their fangs that if you get bitten by certain spiders in Australia, one of the side effects of that is to get an erection. So, you know, you run into the hospital looking for an anti-venom and, uh, you know, everything's before you, I guess. But there are, there are toxins in spider venom that cause erections. And so they discovered the, the chemicals that were in that, allowing that to happen. So that was quite a bizarre... You're looking at me as if I'm mad. You've never heard of spider venom causing erections? No, never. No. Just me then? Just you. Well, you do know that I have a love of arachnids and all things spider venom. I thought you were going to say a love of erections. Yes, I, not only have I got Michael tattooed on my inner thigh, I also have a love of erections. Of course I do. I have a huge collection. Erection. No! No! 
well, I only wanted a bowl of ice cream. Look what's happened. Where's my lawyer? I just wanted a nice relaxing ice cream on the beach. <laughs> and then my hay fever started up. And then, you know, it's appalling. <laughs> you, 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 you can't, unless you're living on a diet of crackers and water, how do you avoid these things? You could live in Australia, be bitten by a spider, go for an ice cream, have a fizzy drink, and before you know where you are, you know, you're. you're you have a place to put your towel. <laughs> <laughs> you're a danger to shipping. It's true. I'm just saying, it's. it's it could Tripod. Be, it could be problematic. Where were we going with this? I'm sorry. <laughs> While some might not consider this an undesirable side effect, a safety advisory released yesterday warns that the drink poses a serious risk to your health and should not be taken. We are devastated to have found that the overseas OEM supplier for Mosca Energy for adults had included an undeclared ingredient, Verdenafil. Sugar! I bet it was sugar, fructose. Uh, We have terminated the supplier and are in the process of producing the product with our own formulation to ensure no hidden ingredients. All our future products will be tested for compliance with all regulatory requirements. Drink this. (laughs) Ice cream. I was thinking, surely you rub it in, don't you? If you don't drink it, I mean, surely, I'm just, you know. I have a float for you downstairs. (laughs) Let's hope we don't hear the first swallow of spring. Fantastic. I shall move swiftly on. I'm in New York at the moment. It says a New York nursing home is being sued after strippers were allegedly hired on a regular basis to cheer up elderly female residents. The son of one resident is suing the East Neck Nursing Centre in West Babylon, Long Island. He claiming, hated his mother. Well, I, I don't think he did necessarily. If he's suing to have him not perform. Yes, but the mother's not suing them, is she? That's what I'm saying. He hated his mother. Oh, I hadn't worked that out. Yeah. If he was in your 90s in a nursing home, I mean, would you would you want that jiggly in front of your face? I mean, is that... Absolutely. Okay. It's like bit. a lure. It's like a lure. <laughs> God. Let's hope it's not a cod. The son of one residence is suing the East Neck Nursing Home. He says his mother, who's highly religious, was violated by the striptease <laughs> performance. You scratch it, you're closest. Franklin Youngblood said in court papers that he visited his mother, Bernice, in January and was shocked to find a photograph. She's got it in a frame next to her bed. Of her stuffing dollar bills into a dancer's brief. Well, it sounds like she was violated then if yeah, she was sound, stuffing dollar bills. Yeah, it sounds, Love that was Thunderbone. A, that was a pension. <laughs> Thunderbone? <laughs> what on earth is that? Stripper name. That's my stripper name, Thunderbone. <laughs> What do I do? Come on to the sounds of ACDC. Thunder. I'll look into it. There's obviously money to be had that I'm missing out on. The act appeared to have taken place in the home's recreation room. They still had the pool table out, which was good, because he potted the purple in the top left-hand pocket. With other residents looking on. Apparently, she nearly had a stroke, but she couldn't quite reach <laughs> oh, it's a joy to you be. You do online. know that all old folks' homes have a program called Bone Builders. <laughs> do they really? Yes. Wow, I'm learning so many things tonight. <laughs> Plaintiff Bernice Youngblood was placed in apprehension of imminent offensive physical harm. I- imminent, as she was confused and bewildered as to why a muscular, almost nude man was approaching her and placing his body and limbs all over her. She was <laughs> bewildered. The lawsuit said hiring male strippers to perform for the defendant's nursing home patients was a serial occurrence. 
Youngblood's lawyer, John Ray, said Bernice Youngblood had lived 85 years as a traditional Baptist, hard-working lady, and now she's been defiled. We'll be seeking at least a million dollars. A nurse allegedly told Youngblood that the strippers had been hired in good faith as an entertainment event. But the suite alleges that the vile performance was staged all for the perverse pleasure and enjoyment of the staff. So apparently there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Just for the record, Greg, find out the name of that place. That's where I want to end up. There you go. And I'll get you a lot of dollar bills. (laughs) Um, When's your mother's birthday, by the way? Uh, January. January. Oh, he's been and gone. You okay. better practice your act. <laughs> <laughs> to the tune of ACDC's Thunderstruck. <laughs> yes, I shall, I shall practice all summer long uh, with a cardboard cutout of your mother just to give me the, <laughs> the full... Your mother doesn't listen to this show, does she? Only when I tell her to. <laughs> okay. I Usually see. when you mention her, I make sure and tell her to she listen. She won't be giving you any more stew. <laughs> stew. Fantastic. I, I really like Kim's mother's stew as well. It's fabulous. <laughs> <sighs> well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores, like I've been keeping count. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery he goes to Heather. You are on what? a remarkable two. Well, you lost so many points, you How see. How did that happen? We'll go back and listen to the archives and you'll get a good <laughs> idea. And in first place, with a $33,000 IR camera as their first prize, it's me. I have a resplendent six. Who knew such things what? could happen? What on earth have you got there? <laughs> what? What? Wow, it's true, I tell you. And who knew that the scorekeeper would come out? on top do not fear listener remember we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love to hear from you and i'd love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and just plain weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site we have over 3700 followers on facebook go to more questions and answers with adrian lee all our stories of tonight will be posted on there plus much much more you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris jeton drainer kim and greg gore and all of the international paranormal society at int paranormal net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting colin good night <laughs> <laughs>